0: Welcome to the ADHD Dive, the show that's not about ADHD, but is filled with proof it exists. My name is David J. Mund. I'm an actor, director, musician, photographer, and host of the ADHD Dive. And this week I'm joined by Gil Scott Chapman. Gil is the son of a former NFL football player. He's a touring jazz musician and a resident pianist at Mackinac Island's Grand Hotel. In this episode, Gil and I chat about his journey toward creative independence, his experiences as a student at the Interlochen Arts Academy, and we deep dive into Gil's pursuits beyond music. So thank you for joining this episode of the ADH Deep Dive. Let's dive in, shall we? There's still space for that to happen. Um, so, you know, we'll get into, you know, kind of how we cross paths and kind of a little bit more of your musical trajectory. But in doing my research last night, and you can talk about it at whatever length you want, but I found out some pretty interesting family roots. Um, in that, your dad was an NFL player. Is that yeah. is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a okay, great. It's okay. a great starting point. So, when he uh, he he actually was born and raised in Elizabeth, New Jersey.
0: That's what I was saying. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, he that was something that he uh, was naturally very good at football and um
0: did I say that he played for U of M is that correct
1: yeah yeah cool so, so his trajectory is really interesting he um he was a like a, a young star on the on the football field and um then in high school he was he was really big and then he was getting recruited by all these schools and um every time I talk to him um every time we take a walk around the neighborhood he usually gives me a little bit more information about his his um his his career, you know, he gives sure. me like little bits and pieces like each time because people ask me questions all the time. What team did he play for? When did he end? When this? And I, to be honest, I don't have all the answers. I'm still getting the answers myself. Sure, but I I usually tell people that he, they can look up like a Wikipedia thing if they want more mm-hmm. info, and I don't always have the amount of. Um, you can't always explain to everybody everything in like a one minute sentence. Right. So just tell them the information that I have, but long story short, yeah, man. And actually I was very passionate in sports before music, man. Like okay. having, having a father who took football that seriously really puts like a, it puts like so many expectations on you as a young person
0: yeah. growing in a community,
1: you know, who values sports.
0: So we can also we can also tie in that football thing to the music um because we'll get into again we'll get kind of into the origins of your musical studies in a little bit but like I have to imagine yeah having a parent who is 100% dedicated to the career that they're in probably like dedication rubs off I have to imagine for whatever you're obsessed with whether that's music or sports or whatever like you probably grew up I imagine like very committed to the sport or the music because of just seeing. I mean, it takes discipline to be in the NFL, you know.
1: Yeah, so that's also a good point. Well, well really, what it is, man, when you're young, a lot of things that you're doing are compulsory, right? You know, yep. you don't. You're not making many of your day-to-day life decisions. Your your yep. your uh, guardians are. Um. So. When I was younger, man, I wanted to just be playing sports with my friends, man. I didn't want to be practicing the piano, man. I didn't want to be yeah. inside the house and going to music lessons. Nah, man, I wanted to be hanging out with my friends, going to sleepovers. Um, I wanted that normal life. But what you're saying is true. Um, I had a nat- natural inclination towards sports and genetics. Are, they mean something, man. So, yeah, man, when I was... Uh, when I was a kid I was I was I was pretty good at football, you know. I, I um I did really well in uh PAL. Did you and... go to a big school? Say what? Did you go to a big school? Um what what period are we talking? Are we talking K through twelve, are we talking like
0: Yeah, I would say K through twelve. Or did you play you didn't play any college ball, did you? No, no, right. no.
1: But um I like I said, I grew up playing sports. Sports was my like was my life as a child sure. and teenager.
0: I just say for reference, the school that I went to, the football team, obviously you gotta have eleven kids out there. I think our team, while I was playing, was no bigger than like 15. So if you were on the offense, you were also on the defense. So like was that was it a pretty competitive atmosphere out there? Like, or were you able to kind yeah. of shine on your own? Yeah, that's
1: a good question. So um the community I grew up in is your tip is your like typical uh, East Coast suburban community. Uh, it's a bedroom community. A lot of families here. Sure. Uh, so uh, it it is quite competitive. The new um, the East Coast produces um, some of the best athletes in the country. Yep. Um, you look at all the recruiting pools for like a lot of the biggest sports like football and basketball. Uh, a, l- a large concentration of the top recruits come from this area, mm-hmm. the tri-state area of New Jersey. Um, New York, Pennsylvania, um, also Connecticut. So it's very competitive for sports here, and that's actually, um, well, once I real, once I kind of my, my my parents kind of ended up making the decision for me that <clears throat> eventually that music was going to be what they were uh, they wanted to invest their resources in, um, not so much athletics because um, my dad had already been down that road. Sure. And I, I think that he knowing him now, <clears throat> I'm 32 years old today. Knowing him now and having known him all these years, he's always been passionate about music too. So that kind of makes okay. sense why he may have steered me in that direction.
0: So it uh from from what I was able to gather, um, around seven years old, is that correct when you when you started taking music lessons? Six, seven. Yeah. Was this specifically piano or was this just like let's see what he likes or how did why piano specifically?
1: So they I believe that they they were able to bring home a upright piano that they won in some sort of oh cool situation. Uh maybe it was a contest or a raffle or something like that. And um so they had the piano already and I think my I have an older sister, she's ten years my senior. And uh, she took piano lessons. So when I came around, they also got me piano lessons, and it was compulsory. Like they, it's just something they wanted to do with their children. They wanted their children to have piano. So I didn't have much of a choice. I would go to piano lessons, and um, it would, they would usually be like a an hour after school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that all throughout my childhood. And the thing, that, the the. N- <laughs> Getting a chance to learn more about myself, um, I, I really like. Once um, once things click, it's a very fast trajectory for me to to reach the. Uh, it's like I get. A, it's, some people have a tunnel vision sort of thing, you know, right? Where
0: hyperfixation. Like, y- say what? Yes. Like a hyperfixation. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah. some people refer to it as OCD, but that's not as. Um, You know, that's not as uh, putting a positive spin on it, but it kind of, it it can be, it's a double-edged sword, I'll tell you, because you get fixed on something and you, you really progress fast, you know, you Mm -hmm. progress quickly, whatever it is, it could be a video game or it could be an instrument or, Mm -hmm. um, whatever. And, uh, so that has always helped me in different things. And that, I think just by nature of my, my mind working that way, when they put me to piano lessons, I really latched on to it really fast, even mm-hmm. if it's something I didn't really want to do, I was there for an hour after school for weeks and months and years so it's like you're 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 performing at recitals and you're getting a chance to do things in public and all those things
0: well, I think too like. Uh, of course when you're younger obviously this is the ADHD deep dive so i talk a lot about these um ADHD impulses um i was you know i was diagnosed as the alphabet kid when i was younger so it was like ADHD ADD OCD ODD all of these so but so yeah these hyperfixations or these obsessions especially when it comes to something creative i i resonate with in a big way and of course when you're a kid like you said, there's really only one goal. And that's just like, um, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but it's some, something like you, you find you find your thing, right? Yeah. And then a big part of our thing as kids is trying to either impress our parents or seek validation in some way. So it makes sense that the two passions that were kind of trickled down to you were the things that you gave your all to. So but what happens with me i don't know how it happened when you were younger but what happens with me now is i have so many deep obsessions and so many things i'm incredibly passionate about that it's hard to allocate time or brain power or resources to to figure out which one specifically i want at what point in your life did these two passions besides just your parents saying well we'd rather invest in the music side in you because you said that you kind of wanted to play football for a little while at, at what point did those two roads meet and you kind of had to make a decision ultimately
1: so uh yeah the the piano the piano courses at released with the teacher I had eventually if she thought that you were talented enough and you or whatever the case and you were sounding good um they would start to enter you in piano compositions okay so there was one competition called the PTSA. It's called the Parent Teacher um, Society of America. And um, they would hold a competition every year. And then if you were a student that won, you got a chance to perform at Carnegie Hall. So cool. they, they would do this every year. And it would be for young students. So so like, I'm pretty much K through 12, um, it was open for this. So she was a part of the ptsa the organization of the teachers and stuff so a lot of her students would end up entering these competitions so she started putting me in these competitions around nine and i I did really well in them up front um i started off doing really well in them and in the background i'm also playing pal football during all this. So w- one of the competitions I placed first and I got a chance to perform at, at, at one of Carnegie hall. So at Carnegie wow. hall, so a uh, wild recital, um, at wild recital hall at Carnegie hall. And, um, mm-hmm. that was at the age of nine. And there's a picture of it on my uh, page. And, um, that, I think that I realized like when I was younger, that the, um, the, that was a special moment, at least for me and my teacher and my, and my parents. And it, it, it gave me the internal message that, okay, maybe this I'm going somewhere with this. Maybe I mm-hmm. can, you know, I was young, I, you know, you're not thinking right when you're young, you're just kind of just True. going day to day, but if you're I,
0: seeking that validation wherever it comes.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. So I, I you know, I, I felt I felt good during those moments at the when I was nine, and I, I knew that it was a good feeling, and it. it uh, so that's kind of when, um, you know, the, they kind of collided because it's like, okay, well, I'm playing football. I'm pretty good at that, and I'm also playing the piano. Now I'm pretty good at that, so I kept doing that for a number of years, and it was kind of like just piano and sports, piano, basketball, piano, football. You know.
0: So tell me where, um, because I don't know if you know this about uh, about me, and uh, how would you? Because this is kind of our, I think our second time even talking face to face. And we'll get into how we actually met later, but um, I actually worked at the Interlochen Arts Academy where you ended up going. Um, on is it? It's tuition based, of course, right? But you ended up going there, correct? Tell me, tell me how you ended up getting into Interlochen, and what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, that's great. I was gonna bring that up too. Wow, um, so I
0: do my research, man.
1: Yeah, interlocking, <laughs> Yeah, interlocking is a big part of my life. Uh, my parents started sending me to the summer camp first. Yeah, and that was uh, around. It's a cool eight, little trial run. Yeah, age thirteen, they started sending me out there. I would go out there for four weeks at a time, and then that is really when I was introduced to all these different people from these different cultures. And um, it really just expanded my worldview. I mean, I can't stress enough being put in those situations because you're there for four to eight weeks. Yep. And that's a long time when you're young to be away from your family and your friends, too. You're away from your whole network, and you're just out
0: there. And, And for context about the Academy itself, it's essentially Interlochen is this remote little place in northern Michigan, and the Academy itself is essentially plopped in the middle of uh, the woods yes um on on this beautiful lake it's a a, you know a private arts academy so it's filled with different types of classes for the creative arts whether that's music or acting or filmmaking or writing and then you can break those down into subcategories so if it's you know music there's piano and guitar and um the percussive arts and and because it has such interesting prestige, A, it's got a sweet stage, so a lot of cool musical acts come and perform. But B, there's also a lot of master classes there. Um, so very talented artists from all across the globe will come out and teach a group of kids, you know, educa- things that they couldn't learn in a million years, just be- just from the the prowess that Interlochen has. So it's a gr- it was a great place to work. I was a photo video intern for a year. So that was the year of 20... 20- 15, 2015 or 2016 and you were oh wait is that correct
1: uh yes i uh I, gr- I graduated from the academy in 2008 and i attended the camp for about seven or eight summers sweet um, yeah well once like you said you asked when the um you asked a really really good question a few minutes ago about how the how the the past intertwined between like mm-hmm. music sports and my my childhood and Interlocking was like the next step after starting those piano competitions. So yeah. the piano competitions at age nine, and then I started doing those every year. So if you won, you performed in a recital at, in Carnegie Hall in the springtime. They would have so a cool. few for all the young kids, and it would be K through 12. So that was like nine, age nine. And then once I got to age 13, fortunately, they started sending me to Interlochen. And then that was like, whoa, like there's people all over the world, like my yeah. age. You know, and they're doing all these things, playing all these different instruments. You know, there's all these, like, wonderful personalities. And I'm, like, 13, and I'm in a cabin with people I don't know. And yep. they're from all these different places. And I'm just kind of really just feeling my way through my my teenage years, like, mm-hmm. in these different environments.
0: But it also gives you sort of a college experience in that you are away from everyone and everything you know. You are not just, you know, of course, it takes a special kind of talented person to be there, but you are now in a melting pot of other equally talented, if not more talented, and that just elevates your own talent because you're surrounded by such talent, <laughs> you know, it just, from, and there's hundreds of kids that go there. So, yeah, really cool place to be. I, I can't imagine what kind of experience that must have been like as a student.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we had to get up at, like, 6.30 a.m. to flugelhorns and trumpets. The flugelhorns, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, that was something, and having this daily schedule that you had to stick to and wearing a Mm -hmm. uniform. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a beautiful experience. I created so many memories with the students there, and I still have some friends today. And, you know, the time I was there, remember social media, I mean, Facebook came around in 2007.
0: So it was like, brand new, man. What? It, it was. I mean, the the height of it was all brand new, like Facebook it, itself. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. And so I was at Interlocking before all that, and, and so my point being, I was very present. I wasn't like glued sure to sure my device. None of us were like glued to our pages. Nothing saying, not making any negative connotations, but like, but that sure. was. It was a different time, you know, now, you know, every, a lot of things that we do are, are, you know, the the landscape has changed so much, but Mm -hmm. so that was a different time for sure. Uh, Just being younger, I couldn't just flick a picture and send it home about the, you know, what was going on and send a story to people, you know, I was just there.
0: Were your uh, parents able to come out and see any of the performances that happened?
1: Well, what ends up happening is they come, the parents come and pick up the children at the end, and then that's when all the performances are and sure. sure. end of the season stuff.
0: Yeah, I didn't end up doing any of the camp stuff. I did calendar year to of the calendar school year to the end of the calendar school year. Yeah, and I did. My, I my did last both. day was graduation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I ended up doing both, so the, the camp is where I started, and you know that was uh that was great and then um, and usually what ends up happening they'll they'll, they'll uh, recruit people from the camp to attend the academy and,
0: so uh, so tell me about um, and you can you know bridge the gap as as delicately as you'd like but um, tell me a how the college experience then started because you ended up coming out to University of Michigan so first question is was that convenience of it was Michigan and you were starting like Michigan was it a good college um, that you just were always striving for so that's the first question and then B tell me again at what length you can about the is it called the Gershwin uh, initiative is that correct sure. yeah Yeah. tell me a little yeah, bit about Have a those. lot to... okay great yeah so um,
1: uh, I attended interlocking Academy for my senior year of high school and uh, I applied to a lot of different colleges Mostly conservatories and places geared toward music, and um, I was accepted to a number of schools, but I was offered a, a scholarship to attend Berklee College of Music in Boston. Actually, oh wow! So, so I um, I went there for one year because I took I, I wanted to um, I just it was a new city, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to give it a shot and see what would happen. And sure. I I have nothing but good things to say about my experience at Berkeley. Um, I will say that it was during a period of time in my life where once again, I'm 18 years old in a new city and I don't, I don't know much, don't know many people. So it was definitely a little overwhelming for me at that age. Um, however, I started off there and, uh, you know, I met all tons of people in Boston. My sister was living there at the time. So that was a factor in me choosing to go to school there. Okay. And, um, however, with all, all those things being said, the school was great for me at the time. And I was young in this new city. It wasn't sustainable for a four-year college career. Um, it wasn't for me at the time for just different personal reasons, the main one being that I was really young in this new city and I, I grew up in this suburban town. So it was completely different from what I used to. So that was one of the main issues I had. And then eventually I dropped out um, after about a year and a half because I, it was more, like I said, due to personal reasons, not so much due to the school or anything like that. Um,
0: Now at this point, Sorry to jump the gun. Was there was there a fallback in place or were you like, I think I just need to stop for a little. bit. I need to stop school.
1: Yeah, man, I I came to a point where I I was really lacking direction. I remember I wasn't attending class regularly. I was wasting away the scholarship that I had received to attend there. So I said, well, if I'm not going to take advantage of the situation. I might yeah. as well just drop out and figure something else out. And, I, you know, I was at that period in life where I just didn't know. I didn't know whether I wanted to finish school or even stay in school. You know, because um, you, you we were hearing stories about all these uh, successful dropouts during that time. You Especially
0: know? in the arts, you know.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it was really glamorous to drop out. And, you know, I kind of played into that a little bit. I was like, oh, I'm yeah. going to drop out and maybe I'll maybe like some money will fall out of the sky or a record deal or something. Yeah, like, Cause that's
0: how it happens.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, so yeah, man, I, I, I enjoyed my time there, but I said, you know, this isn't the right environment for me. I need, I need like, I need more nerd nerd, like a more nurturing environment, which then I started to think of all the universities I like and all the schools. Cause I said, well, maybe I'll feel more comfortable on a college campus because you know, I'll have more resources at my disposal. I won't just be alone in this big universe. So,
0: pardon the ignorance here. When you're at Berkeley, it's that's not you're not on campus or anything. You're not living in a dorm or anything.
1: Well, the the campus is in the city, so it's it's kind of like a quasi campus. It still feels okay. like you're, it still feels like you're just in Boston. I mean, Berkeley's yeah, there, yeah. but there's also ten other uh, schools. That makes right sense. around the corner it's oh that whole area is just oversaturated with schools and universities and there yes they have their sections of the city but it just doesn't feel that way like when you're in that city it didn't feel that sure. way to me versus being on a very contained campus with uh you know like university teams and like you know just yeah. more things that are bringing people together versus being at a school where people are on their own professional paths. True. And like I said, at that age, 18, 19, I felt, you know, I think, I think we need a little, um, as human beings, we still are are developing so much at that age. Yeah. And at that time, I was still unsure about my path, and career choice. I mean, it sounds I know if you you think you you go to a school like that, you probably already know what you're trying to do. But I didn't at the time. I was still kind yeah. of teetering.
0: right? And I mean, arguably, you're still a kid uh, even even after you graduate college. Like you have not fully experienced the harshness of life and reality. So, like, yeah, I, I can only imagine that feeling lost while you are headed in the direction you thought you were headed may be a little overwhelming of a feeling. Yeah. So. so well, I was just, how did, how did the U of M transition then happen? Like, when did you land on that? Well, I, I,
1: had, that was one of the schools I had applied to initially and I had, I had been, um, accepted before, but I, you know, it was, um, at the time I was c- comparing the scholarships and whatnot. And I just remember that, um, the first time I was accepted, it just, I don't know, I just wanted to get Berkeley shot. But once I dropped out of Berkeley after a year and a half, and I said, you know, I knew some of the instructors over at U of M. And I said, you know, I was, um, I was at home where I am now in New Jersey while I was, after I dropped out and I was here just thinking of what my next step was going to be. And then I decided maybe I'll enroll back in school, but this time I'm going to try an actual university with a campus and, um, you know, have a completely different experience than I had at Berkeley. So the first thing that came to mind, one of the first schools that came to mind was University of Michigan because um, a few reasons. My mother is from Detroit. Um, My dad is, uh, you know, he attended U of M. Yeah, he attended U of M on the team. And then, um, you know, I had always just grown up just – a lot of family from Detroit. My mom's from there. So Michigan was a very like, uh, it seemed like it was a, a, a good next step for me at that time to go to U of M with all the sure. support that I had in that area, the family being there and um, the college campus with all the students and just the, the resources to really um, so that I could really enjoy my college career. Michigan had everything, sports teams, you know, everything that you could want for a school. That's what I felt at the time.
0: It's the most, one of the most prestigious universities in the country. So, or not, maybe not prestigious, but, you know, heavily revered. Yeah. yeah, No,
1: it's just the same, same thing. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. So the music thing, so you're talking to someone who's not, never had the college experience when you're going in there, obviously there's the, the general ed stuff. There's the prerequisites, but When you're starting to kind of focus your studies, what what type of electives or things did you try to find to kind of sort out this creative thing you were figuring out? Still,
1: I've always been um, interested in in philosophy and things of that nature. You might see me post a lot of quotes from different sources and yeah, that and that's that draws into my nature of just like I'm a deep thinking individual. You know, I could sit. Uh, I I could just sit all day and think about different things and not really get bored because it just, to me, it's just, there's so much to think about. And that's a good thing. And then also not good, good I think is overthinking can, can lead to a lot of issues, right? You can create Correct. problems that aren't there. But yeah. once again, it's a double-edged sword because overthinking, you can create problems that aren't there, but also solutions that aren't there. Yes. So you get the, you kind of get the best of both worlds, which depending on who you are, can make you either elated or depressed you know i mean it's one of those things like you it just depends on how you you function so in my case i try to i try to work with myself the older i get the more i try to make life um i I try to make things in life uh just i try to streamline things you know try to find what works for me and streamline things you know everybody has a different health routine Mm -hmm. or some people don't don't bother with it at all or everybody has a different way of how they go about things. But, uh, for me, um, since I'm really a deep thinking individual, that's kind of the, um, you know, I like to read a lot of philosophy. Um, I, I like, I like the idea of helping others, but I really am. I really, uh, I really think it, and I think we all kind of understand this on some level. It starts with ourselves. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, over the years, I've really just been working on some of my weak points and trying to figure out, you know, you know where I can do better. I mean, it sounds good on a podcast, but this is true. I mean, because every day since I'm an overthinker, it's just like I'm creating all these issues and solutions like nonstop with different things. I'm kind of trying to manage them, figure out how this, all these things apply to me. And
0: well, and, you know, cliches are cliches for a reason, too, right? Like, how many how many times have you heard that? you can you can't love others until you learn to love yourself or you have to focus only on what you can control because everything else outside of your control is outside of your control you know like of course it is the eternal pursuit of a human being to seek whether this is the word enlightenment or just happiness as a concept like until there is some self discovery whether that's through experimenting in different creative arts or different pursuits or just yeah focusing on literally the only things that you can control um that's sort of where the the only path for growth to come so yes. so this so so you're in school obviously you're wanting to pursue some sort of music but you've got this philosophy background as well um where does where where do those things meet you know because obviously um I'm familiar with, I, you know, I played in a, a jazz band through high school. We we more changed it to experimental arts. That's what it was called. It was essentially, it was the experimental arts ensemble. So every, it was a curriculum jazz class, but our teacher just let us create kind of whatever we wanted. And we would work together to try and feel each other out. We got a lot better at improving, um, working on solos, and kind of collaborating creatively. But a lot of that came through the first 10, 15 minutes of class was everybody sitting and talking down and like understanding where everyone's at on a personal level. So when you're in a school, how are you able to kind of collaborate with people who you're kind of in a bigger class at this point, correct? Cause you're not really doing the solo thing yet.
1: Oh, this is when I enrolled at Michigan. Yeah. Um, the solo thing you're referring to the solo thing as like uh, well
0: I mean like so you're you're not a solo musician now maybe maybe we can skip this gap and kind of get into where you're at now maybe that helps point it a little bit because right now I think is well let's let's pick up on this the only version of you that I know is the you who you are right now obviously there's a whole history of of who made this person sitting in front of me right now, but post high school, this person started to turn into the gill who's sitting in front of me. That obviously leads to the Grand Hotel where you're at now, and maybe we can start getting into a more pointed conversation about that, but when did did the pursuits leave you, and when did, or maybe not the pursuits, and I'm sorry, this is a long-winded way of kind of pointing this at you, but you kind of seem like you're doing what you're ultimately going to be doing now, correct? Like Sure, yeah, like, absolutely. When did you land there? Not just the grand, but becoming a you know, a performing artist.
1: Okay, yeah. So it's it's interesting you ask that question because I, I actually was gonna answer your previous question. And I can do it in a short Sure.
0: Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's why I, I ramble as you'll see. No,
1: no, it's fine. I I i <laughs> both. So Ed Sarath was a professor at University of Michigan, and he um, one of the other reasons that attracted me to that school was he had he had built his own curriculum around meditation and jazz music, or meditation and music in general. Wow! And it was uh, it was a degree studies called jazz and contemplative studies.
0: Okay, all so, right.
1: That was like so perfect for me. Yeah. So what ended up happening, I mean, while I was very passionate about philosophy and music, that didn't always translate to me wanting to write papers (laughs) and 50 papers a year. So I started off in jazz and contemplative. But then when it came, when I realized what I needed to do to graduate and how many credits I needed, I kind of chickened out after about a year or two and I just got a straight up music degree and I, I went on about okay. my business. But okay. um, for for a while I was doing that degree and I was I was learning contemplative studies and I was reading, taking his course. And it was really great for me during that period of my life to, to kind of have that going on and we would get together. He would have big courses and we would get together and we would meditate together and write write about ideas and it was a really it really fit into what i was aiming for so as i'm getting older i'm starting to grow into myself you know as a Mm -hmm. person who really enjoys deep thinking and also a person who really enjoys art yeah and uh also as a person who really enjoys sports too but by this time is sports are out of the picture um so you know that's around the time i'm at u of m and um. um I'm, I'm. I'm. So I'm. I'm in this. Uh, I. I got what I wanted. You know. I wanted this nurturing college environment where I had resources at my disposal. I could go to sports games. I could go to, you know. I could go to like frat parties on the weekend or whatever it is I wanted to do. I wanted to have those options. And while I had those options in Boston at Berkeley, they weren't. They weren't contained to one yeah. campus. Where, you know, when you're young, you just, you know, I had to do too much in Boston. You wanted to go to a party, sometimes you had to find a way to get across the city. Yeah. You know, it's just too much for an 18, 19 year old for me. So, and I, as, as this is all going on, I'm growing into myself as a musician. I'm, um, I'm getting a lot of time each day to do some deep thinking, meditation, and stuff. I'm studying with um, uh, one of my teachers at U of M, is, um, um, uh, a, a lady, her her name, she's now passed, but her name was Jerry Allen, and she was a very uh, well known um, jazz pianist um, internationally and, and and domestically, and she's from Detroit as well. So as you can see, a lot of my Michigan roots are really starting to intersect. Yeah, my dad having gone to Michigan, my mom being from Detroit, mm-hmm. interlocking. Yep. Um. So Michigan. As you're starting to see in our conversation, although I was born and raised in New Jersey, I'm spending as much time in Michigan as I am in New Jersey because every summer I was going to Interlochen. My mom is Detroit. We're visiting family for her all the time. So Michigan and New Jersey, as far as I'm concerned, they're like, I have my home state, which is New Jersey, and then my second home state, which is Michigan. And that's kind of how things have been throughout most of my life
0: now i've got my my i'm born and raised Michigan grew up lake City Cadillac area um I've got my fair share of complaints about Michigan. I think that has more to do with just projection as like a you know it has nothing to do with the state itself. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fine people of Michigan, but i just i had I had my fill of it, so I had sort of the exact opposite. In that I lived in Michigan, born and raised, and then I was like, I need something different, and I went to New York City, and I lived in Brooklyn for a year. And I don't know if this is kind of what you felt in at Berkeley, um, but yeah, it was like I had it in my palm. I had everything I wanted. It was like all the stuff I said I wanted to have but I just, I was not ready for it. It was all so spread out. I was so overwhelmed that I was like, I think I need, yeah, that that nurturing feeling where it's like, I'm getting, in theory, on paper, I'm doing exactly what I want. I'm in New York City as an aspiring actor or creator or filmmaker, but like, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't feel like it's helping me. And then ultimately, you know, I find my way back into Grand Rapids or not into back into Grand Rapids. I now feel like Grand Rapids is the perfect middle ground between, you know, cause Lake city, my hometown has less than a thousand people. The next biggest city I went to was Cadillac, which had 10,000 people. Then it was New York city at eight and a half million people, you know? And then Grand Rapids is like what? A million or something like that.
1: Yeah. Those are huge differences.
0: Yeah. So I've split the difference a little bit. I feel for the first time, like, I'm where I'm supposed to be, like, at least for now. So now you're out of college, right? Where, and if there's a few gaps in between, f- f- you know, feel free to fill them in. But you've got this residency position at a place for, you know, outside of Michigan, uh, is is called Mackinac Island at the Grand Hotel, Um how long between then and now do you get this like what type of career performing do you have after college and this residency
1: oh it's a great question so uh what ended up happening was I tr- so um we're after boston and um undergrad at u of m and then so i uh, i had like i had some other periods uh before i graduated U of M, where I took some time off to figure some things out. Um, I took another semester off because I was unsure once again. But I I got through those things. I finished undergrad, and then um, I actually didn't have much going on for a period of time after undergrad was over. I I came back to New Jersey, from what I remember, and uh, I was just kind of fumbling around, just like hanging out with friends. I didn't have. I didn't graduated with a gig or some fancy job or nothing finished college came back home and i was just chilling
0: hanging out with friends were you performing and booking shows
1: yeah here and there but i I was just uh, music was always kind of just going on in the background somebody would call me for a gig and this is a period of time when things weren't as consistent there was no grand hotel nothing this is after undergrad so sure um you know, I'm just kind of chilling. And then what ended up happening was I, there's a guitar center that's local, that's near where I grew up. And it was like, you know, they had job openings. And I was like, man, there's instruments there. Yeah. You know, I can, I can mess around with this for an undisclosed period of time. So I started working there in retail in the pro audio department. <laughs> and I learned... A bunch about instruments and all sorts of sound equipment and things and i did okay. pretty well with bells and i did that for just a year and um then i once again i was at this point where i was like what do i do next you know
0: yeah
1: i'm, I'm at guitar center that's not where i had planned to be but it was like a good place to just like it was a good place to just learn a, learn some more things now- about it.
0: Quick, quick question. How how old are you at this point when you're working at guitar uh, center? Uh, like
1: twenty. Uh, I'm probably like uh, let's see. This is in 2000. Um, yeah, I finished undergrad in 2000, um, 2013, and then I, I worked at a Guitar Center like a year after that. So I'm probably about like uh, I think I'm around like 2021, 20, 22. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. You said you're thirty-two now? Yeah. All right, yeah. I was just trying to piece it all together.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yep. Okay, so I jumped the gun a little bit. I was thinking with the with the grand. Yeah, that's that's quite a bit later.
1: The grand comes in 2018. So oh, okay. Yeah. So well, there is a few things that happened before that. Yeah. And I'll I'll be brief. Um
0: no, I so, says ad nauseum, please.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm doing that. I'm I'm doing the guitar center thing and that's not what I wanted to do long term but once again like I said it was something to do mm-hmm. and, and it was local and I didn't have to travel far it's perfect and um so I'm doing that and then I said you know what's next Get the sar center's over you know um and uh I decided to, that it was time for uh for grad school okay and so excuse me grad school yeah I'm getting, I was flipping things around. Go ahead. So after after undergrad, I had a period of time where I didn't do much. Then during that time before Guitar Center is when I said, okay, there was another famous pianist. Uh, his name is Benny Green. And uh, I heard that University of Michigan, the same school, I went to undergrad. I heard that they they were hiring him on faculty. And at the time, um I had the option to go to grad school and go back to school. And once again, I didn't know much about what was going on or what I was doing. And this is like 2013. And so after about a year out of school, I decided to re-enroll. Interesting. And this is, uh, this is about 2015, 2016. And excuse me, I got things mixed up. It's before guitar center. Okay. Um, And uh, so I decided to re-enroll in grad school. I had my sights set on New York City, and I wanted to attend Juilliard. Um,
0: That didn't end up... Say what? That's just... That's huge.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's what I initially wanted to do, but that didn't end up panning out. So I ended up uh, going back to U of M for grad school. And then that's when, uh, at that same time, I decided to go to grad school, the Gershwins... The the Gershwin family they were also in talks with the university about donating one of uh, George Gershwin's uh, pianos, okay. and uh, the Gershwins they have a nephew that attended the business school at University of Michigan, um, so the uh, they had a lot of they had uh, their interests uh, set on, on donating the piano to the University of Michigan. George <laughs> Gershwin has a famous piece which you may hear have heard in commercials called Rhapsody in Blue. Um, yeah yeah Yeah. so okay
0: i guess i would have never been able to identify the the composer but interesting
1: yeah yeah george gershwin wrote rhapsody in blue so rhapsody in blue is a very um well-known piano piece with Mm -hmm. orchestra and it it's famous because for different for a variety of reasons but the main reason why it's a huge deal the piece is because when george wrote uh rhapsody in blue I can send you info on it later, but it, it was an enter at the time it was like intersecting classical music with jazz.
0: Yeah, we I was gonna say we played it in our experimental arts class as a jazz piece that we all tried to put our own flair on. So
1: Okay. So you yeah, get but, now you can see why I, being myself, was so attracted to that yeah. piece early on. Yeah. So it, it was it was brought to the attention of some of the people who were dealing with the Gershwins that You know, I could play Rhapsody in Blue and um, I had quite, I had some experience with it. And so the Gershwins were donating this piano and then they decided, you know, of course they needed to have a big celebration around the piano. And I sent you like a clip Mm -hmm. actually with an orchestra and that was from the concert actually. That that
0: exact one, okay. The
1: Gershwins, that was actually at the time, that was the biggest concert I had performed in, in my life. Because there were like 4,000 plus people in attendance. And um, like I said, in my early 20s, and that was the most people I had ever performed in front of. So all those opportunities started to come about in grad school when the Gershwins got involved. And um, at that point in my career, I'm a lot more focused. I'm older. I'm in grad school. I'm doing this jazz piano thing. Um, I had studied with some teachers. I had some opportunities. And I didn't really even mention the big, really turning point for me in my career happened in 2014, <laughs> right before grad school, when um, I got invited to perform at the Montreal Jazz Festival in Switzerland. Oh, so, wow! Because I in the back, all right. So you you, uh, you talk to me as a solo artist, which that is partly true because piano you can kind of play as a solo artist. Sure, um,
0: it's typically cool thing accompanying. About-
1: yeah. Now, now, what's cool about um, the arts, which you probably understand, there's just so many grants and yeah. competitions available to all of us. Yep. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, video, music, you can find a grant, you know, yep. like they're out there. Whether you'll get chosen for them is another story, but they're out there. Yep. So I was one thing that I always mainly consistently did. I was always sending out things to organizations competitions grants I would just send stuff I didn't care whether they didn't chose me they didn't choose me or not I just I I don't know like I think just from being from such a young age I've been thrown in front of large audiences I remember when I was younger of course it made me really nervous but the more I was thrown into these situations I think it really gave me um it really gave me thick skin to deal with rejection and to deal with things not going so well because um, I, I say that to say that I would send out all these different um, CDs and um, I would send out my portfolio all over the world because I would just go online and type in piano, jazz piano competition. And like all these things would come up. So I started doing that. And lo and behold, in 2014, I heard back from Switzerland. I was like, whoa. Like Insane. Yeah, yeah. And um, I have to say that my dad, you spoke to him about, like, his NFL career and stuff like that. Once he decided, once he saw in me that I had some talent in music, you know, he was, like, all in. Good. So even though I may have had a lot of periods of inactivity, no gigs and whatnot, in the background, my dad is taking me to the studio and I'm, I'm recording with local musicians, some of my mentors. I'm entering competitions like this is always going on. Like even when I'm working at Guitar Center, all those things I we discussed already in the background, I might have sent like a CD to like Florida or something mm-hmm. because they had a festival coming up. And if I sent out like 10 applications, I might hear back from two of them. You know, and that that was actually good in a way, because because the two ones you hear back from could be big. You know, like I heard back from Switzerland and then subsequently I did all these other ones. So that was a big thing for me during the competitions, uh, you know, sending out my my music and my portfolio to people and seeing how people will respond to it. And so even before I started to get professional opportunities, I would get opportunities through these competitions and grants and things like that.
0: So you have, it was interesting that maybe it's a burying of the lead here that like off the top, you had talked about not really having any necessary sense of direction. Like you didn't really know what it was that you wanted. And maybe this is just my ignorance or my early perception, but I thought that that was gonna be like, you know I had the talent, but I didn't really perform. I didn't really, I didn't really utilize it. I just kind of did, I noodled around in my room. And I say that because that is maybe the more common story where like somebody finds a passion, they don't really know what to do with it. They get a small glimpse of what it's like to find success in that and then they're chasing that forever. Whereas it seems like, if, correct me if I'm wrong, But like you had such a saturated youth of performing that you had sort of had that. You're like, you know, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to perform. It may or may not be my thing. I just don't know yet.
1: Yeah, in many ways, what you're saying is true Uh, all throughout my young life and uh, into my teenage years. And up until now, I've been immersed in the arts. I've had opportunities to perform in, um, internationally in many different countries just even before some of the like the grand hotel and those things came around so in some ways you're right there was i, I of course I always knew that there was more to see and more to do mm-hmm. than what I had done um, and um, you know people have always been asking me about when I'm gonna release my first album which i haven't done yet i'm still waiting to do that
0: uh you say that i checked out chronicles part three man <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty solid dude thanks
1: man yeah you know it's funny we could go so many different directions but yes i do have original compositions and yeah you do. i fit I you know it's all the music services that we have are great spotify and all that stuff but i just wanted something public you know Yep. And, so it didn't really matter so much to me the service because i know if you're not getting a million streams you're not going to get much in royalties out i'm Can just confirm.
0: not confirm
1: yeah yeah it's yeah. just one of those it's one of those routes when i talk to people it's like you got to be all in if you're going after the streams and the numbers mm-hmm. when it comes to royalty payments specifically to for royalty music payments yeah I, there. It, they're, they're, you just have to really approach it strategically because understanding the math. Yeah. You, Especially you
0: know, if you're going through a third party, like a distributor where they're taking a cut, then Spotify is yeah. taking a cut, then Apple podcast is taking their cut. And it's yeah. like, that's know.
1: why we're forced to be so creative with the ways that we earn yep. a living. You know, yep. Like, that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully that answers your question about, for sure. You know, um,
0: well, okay, so, so unless i'm am I cutting you off here? No, so um before I think this is the probably the last gap before the grand the grand hotel thing because that'll kind of catch us up to where we are now. Um, a really common theme on this podcast, maybe it's just because I'm talking to creatives and artists, but is imposter syndrome. Are you familiar with the term? Are you familiar yes, with the concept? Absolutely. Do you feel it?
1: Um, i I have felt more or less imposter syndrome at different points in my life um however I think the the, uh, the what we talked about in the beginning of this podcast how I have this tunnel vision it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna see whatever i'm doing i'm gonna see it through you know i'm gonna due to the do the nature of how my mind works and how I like to overthink and i like philosophy i'm gonna consider all angles um, in everything I'm doing, usually that helps me uh, bring something. Can you repeat your question?
0: <laughs> well, just imposter syndrome as a concept. Do you feel it? Do you re- like? Is that something you experience? Because uh, it seems like you're a very confident performer, a very confident artist. Um, yes, and that's what a lot of people lack. Uh, me, especially, I feel imposter syndrome a lot in my life. I don't know if that has right. to do with confidence, but um, yeah, does it, does that show up for you, or have you moved yeah. past that in your life?
1: Uh, it shows up for me just, uh, just like it shows up for everyone else, definitely. And it's definitely been worse at different points in my life. Um, you know, I could just give you, you examples. I mean, even when I first started at the Grand Hotel, that there's a little bit of imposter syndrome I felt there. In every environment, I think, as you're progressing in your life, for me, at least, it's been true for me that I felt a little bit of imposter syndrome before you before you get used to that next level and you, and you kind of, you know, you know, there's a there's always that tension before you hit that next. Yeah. Before the next point, you know, and I think that the imposter syndrome is something that comes along with your gradual progression and whatever uh, it, it is that you're doing. And, and the way that uh, has helped me deal with it. um, You know, I don't want to use cliches, like be the best you can be, although they're always going to ring true.
0: That's why they're yeah. cliches, man.
1: But that's exactly kind of the the best way, to, the easiest, most concise way to approach the way I go about it. Because like you said, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm an overthinker. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking always about all scenarios, whether good or bad. And essentially, I'm doing, ai kind of do a cost benefit analysis with when it comes to like everything it's, I don't sit down with a pen and paper, but in my head, like a quick like, is this worth my time? Mm-hmm. Why? why is this, like, you know, why should I, why am I going to be doing this? And the main thing I go with is my gut, man. Like, we, we could talk theories, and we can talk this, that, and the end of the day, but what is my gut telling me to do? Yeah. You know, does my gut say yes, or does my gut say no? And I always go with my gut, because I think that um, when opportunities come about, I truly believe that it's better to have even if whatever you choose to do ends up being a disappointment it's better to have gone through with it and be disappointed than to not ever know what it would have what would have happened if I did this yeah if I had spoken to this person, if I had answered the phone on this day, if I had chosen this path instead of that path, that is what will cause me to go into a spiral because I'm an overthinker yeah So I have to like once I commit to something, I'm on this path. And whatever is going to help me achieve what I'm trying to achieve, that's what I'm going to do. And having that, it's kind of like tunnel vision in a way, but it's a tunnel vision that helps you achieve your goals. Because tunnel vision can also hurt you because you're not kind of like considering everything else. Yeah. But that's really helped me with the imposter syndrome because it rubs off on people and when you're in environments and because I'm not. I'm not necessarily an aggressive individual, but when it when it comes to like, um, myself and my uh, my art and things of that nature, I, I I guess you can say I approach it aggressive, very passionately. Passion is a is a better better word. And I I haven't always been very passionate about what I'm doing either, but life has kind of forced me to because mm-hmm. things happen in your life, right? As you get older, you 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 start to deal with deeper issues and deeper things going on in our lives and um, eventually you start to seek some sort of outlet right and I'm 32 and having at this age I've had some life experiences I've had heartbreaks I've had losses and all those things and we all need some sort of outlet and what's what's my outlet art yeah you know, I'll sit in an instrument and I'll create. And that doesn't shield me from feeling deeply or anything, but at least it's it's some sort of, uh, it's. I can place my energy there instead of just here and just being, just letting it sit inside me. I can go and sit in an instrument and release all of it into this art and create something beautiful. That's kind of how I see it. It's like osmosis, I, even though I don't even know what osmosis yes. is, but I know it's like, you know, it's some sort of changing of energy, you know.
0: Well, and one of the things that I'm learning, whether it's as I get older or as as I do this podcast more, is I used to believe that the difference between an unhealthy brain and an unhealthy brain was the existence of imposter syndrome. So, you know, one day I will cure myself of the imposter syndrome. And what I'm learning is that's not really how it works you will always feel like an imposter in a new thing. The difference between the unhealthy and the healthy brain is you can either use that imposter syndrome where you're surrounded by people better than you or who know more than you, and use that as a method to fuel yourself to be better than so you can fit in and so you can feel accepted and welcomed, or you can embrace it with shame and believe it and say, I am all these things that I think about myself. I am all of these feelings. I am garbage. I am an imposter. I'm not talented, and therefore, I should just stop and I should give up and I should say no to these opportunities because what's worse than feeling shame, right? So, so yeah, I guess my you're just you're just proving what I'm learning is that like yeah, we're we're going to be terrified by these experiences, but they really can shape and mold us into a, either a better or worse person depending on how we approach them. Yes. Um, so let's bring it full circle. Okay. One lowly day. Uh, actually, no. Okay. Let's, let's talk about you getting the job at the grand hotel first, and then we'll talk about how I met you there. So how, how did you hear about the job? How did you get the gig? Um, and how long have you been there overall?
1: Well, uh, so keep in mind that, you know, Michigan is my second home state at this point. I had gone to interlocking. I had. Attended U of M for undergrad and grad school, and um, so I knew about the Grand Hotel, I knew about Mackinac Island. Um, I knew about them when I was younger because Interlock is not far, um, sure. And uh, we had you we, been, yes, my uh, we've because my parents used to come pick me up from Interlochen. so quite naturally, what do you do on a weekend when you're you come pick up your kids? They say, Oh, go to Mackinac Island, it's like a couple hours.
0: Well, and and sorry to interrupt, there may actually be some out-of-state people who have no idea what the Mackinac Island is. There's the two peninsulas in Michigan. There's the lower, where everybody talks about their hand, and they point to you there. And then there's the upper peninsula, which is just another hand sideways. And so if you're from Michigan, you point your hand, and that's how you tell people where you're from. There is a bridge that connects these two peninsulas. I don't know how long. Is it, what, two miles, something like that? Uh, Something like that. It's not ridiculously long, but it's not the biggest bridge in the world. Right, just connects the two peninsulas. And off to the side of this bridge is this tiny little, and it's relevant to the lore of the island. But it is turtle shaped island. Um, and yeah, that that's Mackinac Island. It's it's historic in nature. You did, I, this is in a history lesson on the on Mackinac Island or the Grand Hotel. But the hotel is the primary tourist attraction residency of the island. And, you know, it's got some history, like presidents go there and performing artists go there. And it's a cool touristy experience. Sorry, had to supply the context. Go on. Sure.
1: So, yeah. So in in 2018, let me first say that before I decided to take the opportunity to play the piano at the Grand Hotel, um, I had heard from the music director Uh, there before, um, between 2016 and 2018, and um, there were uh, opportunities for me to go up there for short periods of time, but uh, uh, in 2018, fast forward, I had already did the whole Guitar Center thing we talked about before, and um, after that was over, I had finished, and then I received another message saying that, you know, they needed, there was a contract open for uh, a pianist at the Grand Hotel for four months. And during this period of time, I'm unemployed. Um, I'm kind of just, you know, in my hometown. Once again, just, just hanging out with my friends, just mm-hmm. not much direction. Maybe playing a gig here and there, um, doing a piano competition here and there. You know, maybe if I got lucky, I would go to this. Somebody would call me back for something that I sent out. I was kind of just like, you know, freelance, like really, I didn't have much going on. And then so I said, well, I might as well go to Mackinac Island. Like, I'm not doing anything else, you know, like, sure, I'll go to the Grand Hotel for four months, you know, I would see. And it it, it, it is a big opportunity, but in context, they're really just looking to fulfill a spot at that time for a musician. It's not so much about, like, what Gil brings to the table then. It's really just about getting another musician there, because at the time, they they didn't really know too much about me. They just were looking for another pianist.
0: And it's it's essentially, um, it, this is, actually, you can probably better explain what the position is itself. You are, obviously, you have performances, but there's a lot of music as you're just wandering through the hotel. Sure.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, cocktail hour music, if you will, or lunch, lunch music. There's music at every point, um, pretty much, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, throughout the day, and you could you could be doing anything from a small function to a big function, or performing with you know Disney characters and
0: and other <laughs> things
1: of yeah. that. So, um, it's kind of perfect for a person like like me if you think about it. But before, but like, uh, rewinding just a little bit, I received a a message that they needed a musician spot filled. I wasn't doing anything, so I said sure. <laughs> I was just like, let me go see what this is about. Like four months, sure, like whatever. This is 2018. I showed up there, um, and uh, I spent four months there in 2018, and uh, it was it was a, it was a pretty easy. The first year, like I said, I had been there before as a child. You know, I knew about the landscape and all that, and I, I had been to the Grand Hotel, but this is my first time as an employee, and it was. It was similar to um, our a lot of our first times anywhere. I was just getting used to everything, and once again, the business was a little different because it was still family owned at that time. Remember now? We're, oh we're, right,
0: I forgot. It's now corporate owned.
1: Yeah, it's no longer family owned. So when I joined, it was still in its uh, in its original form with mm-hmm. the 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 muster family, and um, you know, it it was cool. You know, I got a chance to play on this beautiful property and um Stunning. be around all these lovely people um staff and and guests i mean you mm-hmm. meet all different types of people like anywhere yes yeah. throughout yep. the day i mean some most people <laughs> we're on a podcast the great majority of people human beings
0: i would say are lovely people you know yes. we all
1: we all have different personalities yes leave it
0: there there's a percentage though of (laughs) those who are not
1: (laughs) yes there is a percentage and we all we all know where that goes so yeah um yeah so you know i i was up there and i I like the i like the social aspect of it there were other musicians there i didn't know them too well but i got to know them because we're spending seven days a week together
0: yeah well Uh, i was actually going to ask are you guys um are you um, pulling sheet music? Or are you right, composing your own stuff? How are you performing?
1: It's a mix of everything. Okay. Dep- depending on the event, like I'll yeah. give you an example. We have we have like Somewhere in Time weekend, which is like the, one of the biggest weekends there. It's It mm-hmm. kind of intersects. There's also, in the past, there's been a Titanic weekend. And I just say that to illustrate that when we do have those types of weekend, we play music straight from the period we play period yep. music so we'll play music that was heard on the titanic there have been musicians so cool that, you know there have been musicians that have gone and transcribed the actual songs that people were playing during that period of time and so, so we do those sorts of things straight down to the sea so and it's it, it also gets very involved with of course all the weddings too in the summertime Oh, so right. all these different parts of the business um And just, it was huge for me to feel that my services were needed for these things every single day. And and this was the first, the Grand Hotel in 2018 was the first gig that I had where I was like, wow, like I can do this consistently as if it was any other job I had where I show up and, and consistently every day I have tasks to complete and stuff. I was like, this is like the closest I've gotten to feeling like this was a career.
0: Does it feel like it is more work or do you feel like you're an artist all the time?
1: That's a great question. I would say, I would say that at the grand hotel, you you definitely get a good taste of both, but I would say that it's definitely a lot of work involved. Yeah. Um, I would say that, um, the, the, um, there's a few different things that different situations, whatever somebody's idea ha- is for their wedding. Well, the grand hotel is a big extravagant place. So people want yep. to have big extravagant weddings. Yep. And if there was some song that they liked when they were a kid from some movie that they haven't seen and they don't know where to find it. They still want that song at their wedding. And that'll show up on a little sheet that I get. And it could be anything from, um, you know the Beatles. It could be, uh, it could be any any uh, artist you could think of. A lot of times for weddings, you end up having the people who are getting married. They'll choose songs from a lot of their favorite movies. So, yeah. a lot of those assignments can be very challenging for somebody. Uh, I have the musical training, but um, you know it. I've trained mostly uh in classical and jazz music, but as I've gotten older and as a gigging musician I've had to really expand the genres that I um, that I play in
0: Hey, hey Gil, you're uh oh there you go. You literally you were glitching out again for, for a hot second. And I was going to fix it, but you're good now. Oh yeah, uh, no
1: problem. So yeah. So the the Grand Hotel, um, all those things happen on a day to day basis. You know, you could you could be just playing in the lobby. You're playing with the band at night while people are dancing. You're playing for people's weddings, which are really important. Um, you know, we have festivals throughout the summer. We have events like where where uh, you and your colleagues came, and those sorts of things. So um, you, that was the first time where I was like, I really felt like I was my life was was uh, what I was seeking was what I, I was living, what I thought that I that my career would look like. I felt that that at, at that point in 2018, that was the closest I was to whatever I thought I wanted. You know, I didn't, even though I sure. was kind of still just kind of whatever, I was like, wow, I can do this every day for X amount of time. This is cool. You know? Mm-hmm.
0: So um, not to make every single person's life story have to involve the pandemic in some way, but I imagine that was huge on your career, at least for, a short while right what what was the pandemic like as far as a performing artist goes
1: that's a great question you know um this is one of the first times i'm speaking publicly publicly about my experience as an artist during the pandemic the grand hotel was open for four months
0: oh i didn't know that
1: we we usually open uh in may and then we close in at the end of october so I
0: mean, so it would have been a summer thing. Yeah.
1: I remember all these events. So the it was the second week in March where things were shutting down. March was mm-hmm. twenty twenty. Things are starting to shut down. I had oh, I had my summer lined up with Grand Hotel stuff. I had different groups I was going to perform with because um, I'm sure you might remember there. There's bands at the Grand Hotel too. There's a yeah. di- There's a dining room band. Yep. And then there's also a terrace room band. Yep. So um we we get those bands together in advance. Um, usually after after the holiday season, like right in January, this upcoming January, February, we'll start talking about our plans for the Grand Hotel next okay. 2023. So I had my plans set out. I had the musicians I was gonna be working with in 2020 and and uh, the Grand Hotel was going to open in May but we're March 2020 is when the world is starting to realize that we're dealing with a serious situation mm-hmm. and that the next few months are going to look different for everyone so I, like everybody else, was kind of stuck in a limbo because I'm like, well, if the Grand Hotel opens, great, because I'll be able to go out and play, but if they don't, I won't have any gigs mm-hmm. so um, you know, I didn't really have much going on for a period of time, but March, April. So, April, I'm talking to people. I'm starting to cancel things. Things are getting canceled. And remember, I'm, uh, I'm still talking with the Grand Hotel, and they're like, you know, we're still going to, we still plan on opening. So, the opening day is May, is the first week of May in 2020. The closer it gets to opening day, finally, people start coming in their senses and they realize that it's not going to open. It's not going to open in May. You know, we don't know. We just don't know. So everybody, uh, once we got to May, we didn't we didn't open. So I'm in the same boat as everybody um, during that time. Just not much going on because, I, I, like I said, I, I live for uh, thirty minutes outside of New York City. That's where I am currently, and uh, so I'm talking with people. And then lo and behold, you know, the hotel announces that they're going to still go ahead and open. And uh, during the pandemic, and, um, you know, we, we, we had our gig for four months. We, we went out there. So I lost out on about uh, a month and a half to two months of, of work because usually we go out there from May to October. But we ended up opening, I think, in mid-June instead. Okay. And so fortunately for me, I was very lucky. I was able to work from June... Um, through October of that year in 2020.
0: Great. I mean, that's uh, that was that is not the story for everyone as far as performance goes. So that's that's huge, man. I'm glad that you were able to do that.
1: But it was only because, um, uh, since I've I've been there for five years now at the hotel, the history of the hotel they they've stayed open during wars. Yep. They they stayed open during other uh, global pandemics. Um, that might have to be verified, but
0: they, well, I mean, during all the at at least the the wars, <laughs> yeah, I believe it, yeah, yeah, all that stuff
1: you learn about because they they have that historian you may or may not have heard Bob Taggart, You may or may not have come. Yep,
0: heard. yep. Um, the 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 history behind the island and the Grand is 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 huge to Michiganders,
1: right? So, fortunately for for the musicians who were employed by the Grand Hotel, we were very fortunate during the pandemic, very fortunate. We were able to work for, you know, our, our normal seven days a week thing um, mm-hmm. from June through the end of October. We had to wear masks all the time. It was a little uncomfortable at times, um, but most of us were really grateful. And I knew how lucky I was during that time and fortunate. And I was just really thankful. That I had something to do. I was still able to work as an artist because of the Grand Hotel's rich history and Mackinac Island, and, and you know, they being the unique um, property that the Grand Hotel is, they had. They, I believe, I can't speak on behalf of the company, but I can say that um, I felt that we, as island employees in general, felt an obligation to our guests. You know. Um, we felt an obligation to all the people that visit the island and we wanted to open, you know, like, uh, I I know I wanted to go there and work, you know, I can't speak for everybody else at the company, but um, I'm sure that the great majority of people, uh, I would think that would be happy that they were able to work during a time where everything was shut down.
0: And, And I think especially, That sentiment is palatable to this audience, which happens to be pretty saturated with artists and creatives. Like at the beginning, yeah, I'm sure it was nice to have that little break or whatever. But towards the summer of that first year, it was like, I just need to make art. You know, I need I need to get back to doing what I love. And if that's in our position as artists or creators, like I can't. I can't not do that. I feel like a. I have you felt this obligation to, you know, the the guests, but you know maybe me specifically, or I, I, I'm sure others. Like I felt this obligation to myself to be like, you know, I I've put so much work into becoming this person or honing my skills, like, and to just be sitting on them, it, it like it felt like a disservice to the art itself, you know. Not that I wasn't. Petrified the entire pandemic, trust me, like I was horrified, I did not like the idea of socializing with people, but as soon as this cause i didn't start freelancing as a cinematographer or photographer creator until like it didn't become full time for me until the pandemic because necessity breeds um what's what's the phrase uh uh creativity ingenuity whatever like yeah no I you know beginning at yeah where there is a need we will fill it. Yes. Um so yeah, I guess to put a little cherry on top of the grand hotel. Um you and I met through the the superhero and princesses weekend. Um the company that I work for ha- is multifaceted. They do murder mystery parties, they do lots of immersive experiences, one of those being um yes, yeah, superheroes and princesses. They have pretty legit costumes that are I would say Disney Studios quality of your biggest names, you know, your Elsa's your Spider-Man's your Batman's all your your bells and your Rapunzel's those Um, And I don't I don't I remember seeing you perform But I don't remember having an interaction with you until we bumped into each other at the bar Yeah, Uh, that was because we were it was so cool man because we were upstairs we were all sitting down, having our little. I th- was it our last night? I can't remember.
1: It was, your, it was either our, your. La- I think it was either your next, to last, or your last night.
0: Yeah, I think the next morning was where we like hand out the certifications to all the kids and like tell them congratulations, you did it, and all that. Um, yeah, we're all going up to have our one last hurrah at the bar, and the band that was playing that day comes in and sits down. Obviously, you and your colleagues um but i had seen you performing during it was like uh there's a spot in the weekend where one of the princesses gets up on stage and then or multiple princesses get up on stage and then are singing to the kids and they have the band accompanying them yes um and so your band was accompanying the the princesses um I guess you've kind of talked about that a little bit, but like what kind of preparation goes into that? First of all, when you're like um, preparing for a performance in front of like kids with princesses and people from that aren't part of your group, what's that like?
1: Yeah. So uh, in general, what we've always done for that event is um, we would receive the uh, music requests from you all ahead of time. And and, uh, we would take a look at what songs uh, the, uh, presumably the princesses wanted to sing and yep. um then we would meet we would meet for about uh we, we would meet for a, a, a small a small we would we would uh, a lot a small block of time before your show uh usually generally about an hour and yep. we would go over the scenes and spend some time with you know a lot of the characters from your company which is always uh, such a fun thing for us to you know That's because cool a lot of the events aren't like that, that particular event. Um, they're just different, you know, (laughs) and they're just geared towards, um, an older demographic. So they're not as like, you know, we've with you all, like you all are our peers, you know what I mean? We're all like, you know, we're all
0: artists. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It it really feels like we're all really just coming together to create something versus us just being off in the corner while Mm -hmm. this function continues. So I'll first say that, um, and then, um, just uh, having some knowledge of the, a little bit about the, you know, about Disney and all the other companies. I know Disney's the big one, but it's. Would you say there's other companies that similar? To, I mean, Disney's like so huge, but like you all deal with. Uh, oh, it's.
0: I mean, it's. It's. Are you saying like the company that I work for?
1: Well, that particular situation where we met, you were with the Murder Mystery Group.
0: Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a big, are you, I guess, are you, are you asking if that's like a big event for the company? Cause my understanding is that it's one of the bigger ones.
1: Oh no, sure. No, I was saying is D- Disney's, would you say Disney is like the main theme for your all stuff or?
0: Like- oh, um, well it's totally, it's totally different. So um, I'm, so now I'm kind of new to the company itself. So that, that gig was only my second gig with the company entirely. So it's, I believe the company itself is the American Immersion Theater, which has troops all over the country. So a lot of people that came to the Grand Hotel were actors from different troops. We had Chicago troops. There's an L.A. troop. Um, there's the Grand Rapids troop. The home base is Grand Rapids. And then under the American Immersion Theater Company, there's the Murder Mystery Party Company and the uh, Princess Party Company, um, so they're sort of separate entities under the same. All right, that makes- own uh, ownership. Um, so this was a like, you know, a- I was Spider Man that week, uh, but other events for the same company, I've been part of a murder mystery party. So I'm a subject or a. Um, you Know a suspect in a murder mystery thing or a host or a detective or something like that, it's all just acting done under the guise or the umbrella of one bigger company.
1: Great, great. So, yes, so with all those things in mind, what generally happens is we, we, we do receive mostly requests from Disney movies that the company ends up performing for the kids. It's usually yeah, yeah, a Disney
0: yeah. theme where we perform, it's usually, yeah, like, I, I see what you're asking. The Princess's thing, yeah, that's all that's all Disney, and yeah, it's usually the, the big names, yeah,
1: that sort of thing, but while you all have all those other arms with the company um and then we also you come back also for the murder mystery later for the murder mystery yep yep uh so those two events yeah i'm usually a part of those two events and it's 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 very similar to how we prepare for our own shows it's not much different from getting together with the people who are going to be a part of the presentation going over what roles everyone's going to play in this particular situation we have your colleagues who are the actors and actresses, um, and they're singing and doing all sorts of things, acting, dance, whatever's yep. part. Them. And then our our music in this situation is definitely more, less at the forefront. Whereas we're supporting you all, so we're still kind of, um, we're still kind of creating and doing what we're doing, but it's more in service to what's going on on stage. So there involves sure. like a little bit of an extra step, which
0: is cool. Do you get to like? Is there a little bit of, like, um, friendly competitiveness amongst the musicians there? Where, like, you know, like, if an event like this is coming to the island, you're like, oh, I, w- I want to do that gig. Like, like I'll, is tell that...
1: What, I'll tell you what there is. There are musicians who like to read music and there are musicians who don't like to read music. I see. So when it comes to this particular event. It usually goes to me because of my training and that I can read True. music really well. And for that event, it requires a lot of musicians to learn new pieces. So there are actually people who don't want to be a part of something because they don't want to have to do these things. Or that makes sense. It, it'll go toward the event, will be geared towards somebody who um, would be a best fit for it. And usually that's why I end up showing up to events like where you all and your colleagues are a part of because. Of my training as i spoke to you about from age nine i read music and i do a lot of these basic functions really well um True. you come across that doesn't necessarily mean that an artist who doesn't read music is better or worse it's just a strength that i've developed because there are artists who may not read music as well as me but that i'm blown away by other things that they can do
0: yeah it's a different skill set
1: Right, and that so reading music is something that I, is is a pretty strong skill set for me because of just all the different environments that we spoke about. I've been in over the years. I was at Interlock, and every summer when I was a kid, I was just reading so much music every day. I didn't know what to do with it, so um, that's why the Grand Hotel is such a great fit for a person like myself. Now that you've gotten to uh, know a little bit more uh, about mm-hmm. what I've shared, and um, you know, because I can just all throughout my day i can have all these different types of experiences i might be with some characters from uh, a movie or i might just be in the parlor people having tea and cookies or or i could be in the terrace room people you know losing it to bruno mars or something or like you know or um aretha franklin all those people so like all that is like
0: Or getting drunk song requests from parents of a bride at a a wedding.
1: Exactly. (laughs) It could be anything. And uh, that's what really makes that gig exciting for me. You know, we all seek different things in our line of work. Some of us seek money. It's totally fine. Some of us, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but we all seek different things, you know. Mm -hmm. And money is always a part, at least for me, it's always a part of the equation for me. But um I, I always like weigh what, you know, wh- where it is like is money, there's satisfaction, there's all these things that I think about when it comes to a job. And um I will say that um uh, the the Grand Hotel is definitely high in, in the satisfaction area. It's like uh, you know, it's just uh it's very satisfying to uh to have a lot of these experiences. Now I will say this. Not every musician is there for as long as I am. Six months is quite a bit of time. It's half of, yeah. of your year. Yep. So other, so right off the bat, every musician who you see there is on a different contract.
0: So well, and again, I I don't know if I said this while setting up what the island is. You have to take a ferry over to the island. It's not yep. like you can just hop in your car and leave. There's no cars on the island other than emergency vehicles. Um, so like you can't just decide I I don't want to do this anymore and just drive away. Right. And you know
1: aren't 24 hours either so right um you know it's uh it's a commitment you know um like anything else but i think i I, i've always felt this way and i i usually pursue opportunities until i feel a natural inclination towards something else yeah and uh my gut like which i spoke about before has been telling me to continue to come to mackinac island every year and continue to um Immerse myself in art because the opportunity is there. You know, it's there seven nights a week for six months, which I think is just a huge blessing. And and tying that into you you mentioning the pandemic, we were still able to continue creating art during that time. And the 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 huge uh, different the difference factor in this latest pandemic, one of them is we had social media at our disposal. So. While I'm gigging and doing this, I'm able to share it with the world, you know? And I had the rare opportunity that I knew most people um, who weren't performing or whatever or had the idea that since there was a pandemic, that most people were inactive and they would have the, um, they'd be able to tune in to what I was doing. So it was Mm -hmm. almost like, although it wasn't a blessing for all of us, While I was able to continue creating my art and share it with everybody, you know, at the same time, that was a huge blessing for me because we had everybody's attention. We had the world's attention for a period of time. And a lot of us uh, channeled that in different ways. Some people, they switched their business model to virtual and Mm -hmm. they still continue doing what they're doing today because it just works so well with them.
0: Well, and you, you said that you actually know John Paul. Yes, Um, he did a lot of, I mean, the pandemic again, this necessity, um, it it forced him to get creative and start playing on online, doing, um, you know, Facebook live performances and, you know, artists, artists, again, as much as we were set back and a lot of us were hurt and are still hurting from what the pandemic did to us, whether it was physically or our psyche, um, but I think a lot of us learned that there are other ways. I mean, think of how many people are – I mean, let's go the most extreme. You know, I don't know if you're a big fan of the comedy world, but um, a lot of people were posting their specials on Netflix and HBO and all this stuff, and then the pandemic comes around, and everything just goes public. It's on YouTube. Or you put your music out on like SoundCloud or people make their stuff accessible to a wider audience for free because the most important part about what we're doing creatively is simply creating, is making the art itself. And people just want to see that and engage with that. And so during the pandemic, you know, the fact that you were able to not just perform, but again, tune in or have people tune in to you made people, people feel like they had some sense of agency in your career, like that you, they were engaging in your career. Yes. So that's cool for you.
1: Yeah, man. And so, um, 2020 was definitely made, um, was made a lot better for me because of the grand hotel, because of Mackinac Island, because of all the people that, um, come to Mackinac Island, you know, and all the people that we collaborate over the, over the, over the course of a season, um, you know, those things really, really came uh, really uh, intersected during that period of time. And, uh, you know, um, I've been doing the, I've been doing, I've been coming to the Grand hotel ever since the first time I went out there in 2018, I've, I've gone back every season and I'm currently, I currently just finished my fifth season at the end of October and next year in 2023 will be my sixth season uh work and i my my personal goal is to do 10 seasons before i uh consider other options you know for
0: to to pick up on that i was actually just going to ask we can probably find some way of um wrapping it up i i imagine as much as you love and are fulfilled by the grand hotel there are some still some wants or personal accomplishments or goals that you'd like to have, but you have your short-term and your long-term. Your short-term is your 10-year plan. Your long-term, you might not even have, you might, you certainly don't have to have, but what are some of the other things that you have going on in your life creatively that help fulfill you a little bit that people can either, you know, tune into I guess this is an opportunity for you to plug a little bit. What are, where are some avenues people can follow you? What are some endeavors that you pursue outside of the Grand Hotel? Sure.
1: Yeah. So mostly that's what I do for half the season. And then the other part of the year, I kind of devote that time to teaching uh, young students. Um, And it starts with the holiday season. You know, uh, I'll come back to New Jersey. I'll start with doing teaching. Then we'll do recitals and things of that nature. And then I'm more of just a freelance artist. The best way to kind of Tune into what I'm doing is, of course, through social media, through my Instagram and Facebook mm-hmm. accounts. Because when I do have performances, I will, of course, post them there. But I go into a different, uh, I go into a different gear once the Grand Hotel ends. Because when I'm there, it's really full throttle, seven nights a week for like months. So yeah. I kind of, for my own. Um, my own uh, personal health and satisfaction. I kind of had to switch gears after that. And I go into more of a teaching mode, a more relaxed season. And I spend time outside of New York. I have, um, we didn't speak much about the Glenn Miller Orchestra, but oh, I, yeah. went, I went on two tours with the Glenn Miller Orchestra this year, which allowed me to travel all across the U.S. and Canada. And um, those are opportunities that I'm always... Open for when I'm not at the Grand Hotel because I have another six months to kind of do what I need to do with. So I'll do some teaching, and then this year 2022, I had the chance to go on tour for two months. So if any of those opportunities ever come up again, those are things that I'm always interested in doing. I like to go on tour, you know, performing different things, travel and stuff of that nature. But I'm more in a different mode, like the performance aspect of my career really is concentrated on Mackinac Island Um, and for people to come there and they can see me do my thing there. But when I'm not there, it's more of a freelance sort of thing. I spend time outside of New York. Um, I might go on tour with a different band. So the best thing for me is just to follow me on my social media accounts to see what I'm up to. um, Plug them.
0: Plug them. What do you got? Instagram, social media, yeah, Insta- or Instagram, YouTube,
1: yeah, Instagram would be uh, G Skills in that you know G S K I L L Z Z two Z's, and then Facebook, just my full name, Gil Scott Chapman, and feel free to connect with me on both of those services. And uh, I'm, you know, when it when anything comes up, it always uh, ends up there. And um, I'm currently, well, after the holiday season, I'll start planning for my next mackinac island engagement cool so um in between now and then um just more freelance teaching working with younger students um things of that nature
0: this is where i'll insert an ad for the grand hotel (laughs) sponsored by (laughs) if if only (laughs) uh all right well for what it's worth, uh, I'm going to have you hang out on the line before we officially wrap our conversation here. But as far as the podcast goes, thank you for doing this, man. Yeah. This, was, this was huge. I'm glad that you were actually so willing to just do it because, like I said, we've only crossed paths for a quick, you know, maybe hour at the bar, and I've just seen what you post on social media, and it is a lot of, like positive, inspirational quotes along with what you're doing. And I knew I, I knew right away you can kind of suss out who the proper people will be for this podcast. Of course, we had the initial conversation about, like, you know, let's talk about what it's like to travel as a musician or what it's like to just deal with arts in the creative space. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to be about that. And so we were able to kind of talk about life and things outside of that. And I could sense that through social media that you were capable of that. So I appreciate you bringing that to this podcast because ultimately, you know, uh, the end goal for me, I say end goal, but the the future business goal is to create some sort of company where I can supply creative jobs to people who wouldn't otherwise have them. So for right now, this podcast feels like a medium to like allow creatives in my life who I feel like don't have quite the proper attention that they deserve to just like talk about what it's like. So I feel like that is a way for people to plug themselves or, you know, just therapeutically talk about things. So again, just to double down. I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, it works both ways, man. Thanks for thinking that uh, you know, my story was interesting enough for a podcast. Of course. And uh, you know, it's uh I'm always open to do things like this when people reach out in a genuine way. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really a pleasure for me as well, you know, just to get to know, um, you know, get a feel for other people. And clearly you get a chance to deal with all sorts of other people too. So,
0: mm-hmm. um, and for what it's worth, in theory, this thing is weekly and will go for as long as I can possibly manage it, or manage it. So maybe there's space for you to come back.
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be great, man. Of course. Cool. Man, you know, we'll stay in touch on social media. And I, I have one question for you. What does ADH stand for?
0: A- oh, 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 as in you've read it as ADH deep dive. Yeah. So it's ADHD. So it's the ADHD, essentially, it's ADHD deep dive.
1: Oh. But
0: yeah, it's just a little play on the, the phrase because, uh, you know, I the tag at the front of the show is. Uh, welcome to the ADHD deep dive—the show that's not about ADHD but is filled with proof it exists. Okay. So essentially, the the intro I have for every episode is just kind of teasing the 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 audience about what I talk about with the guests. So I'll put a little graphic up on screen of who you are, give a like a this is my report breakdown bullets of like here's the the few headline things we talked about, and then I roll the podcast. So a lot of it is just we may or may not talk like like i message you we might talk about traveling we didn't do a whole lot of travel conversation because i have adhd and i can't stay on topic <laughs> but but the through line is we're going to talk about art and what it's like to either deal with the internal struggles or the you know the highs and lows of what it's like to create that art so it's funny that uh, that it might not be as on the nose as i thought it was that it's adhd so yeah, cool. Works for me. <laughs> yeah, that's cool,
1: man. And I hope you feel that, uh, you know, you have some good content to work with.
0: Yes, absolutely. No, this is great.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, As you can, I've shared so many things about, I've shared so much with you that really, I think, could give you a window into how I am. So, I mean, you know, I spent all that time at Interlock. And I, yeah. although part of me is introverted, I'm, I'm a people person at Nature. I mean, I've been in cabins with random people. Yeah. All the time. And I I'm that type of person. I like to speak to random people throughout my day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm closed off depending on what I'm going through, but opportunities like this for me to connect with another individual like yourself is also a real is a real blessing. So, you know, thanks for uh you know giving your time too. So
0: Of course, man. And and again, just to pick up on what you said there, like to be an artist in this day and age, especially a musician who's collaborating with other artists, that extraversion is sort of necessary sometimes. You gotta, you gotta let it all out. But that being an introvert is just your, you know, deep exhale before the inhale of extroversion comes out again. So, yeah.
1: Yes, you understand it quite well. So, um, you said it better than than I could have. So, yeah, man. I mean, I'm always happy to do this, and I'll, I'll be tuning into your uh your podcast too with your other guests. I'm I saw cool. some I saw some some guests that piqued my attention. I want to see what they're talking about. So. You know, we'll, we'll go ahead.
0: John, John is a great conversation, and the the perf- person right before that was my music instructor, Frank Youngman, who actually has taught some master classes at Interlochen before. Um, he's a a touring jazz musician as well. Wow, he three. Because um,
1: uh, I know John Paul probably has done some stuff at Interlochen too. I mean, living up. Yeah, there. he's
0: done some shows with Drew Hale. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I saw you had a a lady actress. Uh, you had an actress
0: from from one of the. Uh, uh she was um snow white
1: yeah i i think you yep. had a you had a um, are are we on on the roll now too by the way are you rolling yeah 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 oh, okay yeah no i was saying you you did um there was an episode that i wanted to finish on eating disorders i thought was very interesting
0: oh yep yep yeah that was with um that was with emily miller yeah she was in the that was that was snow white from the um princess party yeah i'm always
1: when i see things like that I'm always interested in them because I've noticed with all of our different respective illnesses that we all suffer from, all of us have different things. There's so many common denominators in how we all deal with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm all, when I see something like that, oh, about an eating disorder, How I, I'm, I'm curious to see how did this person deal with this? How did they over- overcome this obstacle? Because there might be something that can be helpful to me in the obstacles that I deal with in my life. Right. If I read about this person who went through this eating disorder. So like these things, Thanks for doing what you do, man. Because some of us really do. It does impact some of us who deal with day to day things. You know, when we, we it, it makes a difference to see what other people are going through and how that it can help us get through what we our own challenges.
0: Well, thank you for saying that, man. I I appreciate it. I think that's that. That's why I have refused to pigeonhole myself into talking to any subset of creators. Like I'm not just going to talk to actors. I'm not just going to talk to musicians. Any artist who is vulnerable enough to put their art out there, I feel like has the ability to have a conversation about why they do it. So really it's just, I, I appreciate the compliment in that it's it's something that I'm doing, but I'd be lying if I said it wasn't partially selfish. Like I want to gain this insight too from the people who have these stories to share. So Oh,
1: was... that's to be man. Yeah, that's the human nature part of us. Sure, we're gonna be invested in what we're doing, man. Uh, yeah, that makes total sense. So yeah, man, keep up the great work, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing you know what what uh, some of your other guests coming up to see what you got going cool. on, man. It's, uh, we'll we'll stay in touch, man. Hopefully, I'll run into you again on Mackinac Island, man.
0: Yes, that would be super cool. I think I'm going to do it again next year. So, yeah,
1: I, I, like I said, I'm trying to hit that 10 year mark. So, you can plan on seeing me for a while. And sweet. Plan on going up there. And, sweet. Um, yeah, man, we'll be in touch. And, like I said, yo, uh, we'll stay in touch about this. Uh, yep. Gonna have to do some editing and things.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, I'll actually, here, here's what I'll do I'll end the podcast here. And then uh, you go ahead and hang out on the line and we'll uh, just have some quick footnotes about it. But again, Gil, Scott Chapman, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate being here, buddy.
1: Thank you, man. Peace out. All right.